When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. Welcome to the official Wildcat Podcast, presented by Briggs Auto Group and Kansas Land Tire. Now, with almost 50 combined years on the K-State Sports Network, here are your hosts, Wyatt Thompson and Stan Weber. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Wildcat Weekly Podcast, presented by BriggsAuto.com and by Kansas Land Tire. I'm Wyatt Thompson, alongside is Stan Weber as we talk about Kansas State football and basketball on the program this week. And obviously, we'll start with football. What a regular season for Chris Kleiman in his first year as the head coach of the Wildcats. K-State wrapped it up, Stan, this past Saturday night on senior night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium with a very, very impressive 27-17 win against the Iowa State Cyclones. I guess we'll just start with your impressions as you look back on it and what stands out about that terrific K-State win. I just think that Iowa State is a very good football team, well coached, does a lot of things that K-State tries to do well, and we're predicted to be the third best team in the Big 12 without a doubt. And they had really played better at the end of the year, I thought, than they did at the beginning part of the year. Remember that great comeback they had against Oklahoma uh, the way they played there, had a two-point conversion chance to win that ball game. So I thought Iowa State was just so sound in everything they did. A, a senior-laden offensive line, for instance, a freshman running back that's averaging 114 yards a carry in the games that he was able to start in. So the last six games or so. So the running game's going at a high level. Brock Purdy is throwing the ball as one of the best 10 quarterbacks in the country. Uh, and so their defense is one of the best. So K-State had a big, big challenge. They were the underdog. And they're playing a team that's just solid. Then the weather got cold and windy, and you think, well, do you have an advantage? No. The team's from Ames, Iowa. It's not going to bother Iowa State any more than it's going to bother K-State. So in tough conditions, it really came down to who is the tougher football team, who can run the football when the other team knows that the passing game's not going to look as good in the wind and weather that we had, and it was K-State that was able to produce. So it was great to see Jordan Brown get back, look healthy, 
and be a big factor. Uh, Cartier, Cartier Wright uh, playing in only his second game was healthy and running the ball well, but just hand it to that offensive line, Wyatt. Uh, what a great job that those guys did up front, running the ball for over 200 yards in the game against Iowa State, becoming only the third team all year that has gotten 200 yards rushing against Iowa State. And then a kickoff return for touchdown again is something that I'll remember about the season because K-State this year in 2019 tied the record for most kickoff return touchdowns in a season with four. They did it in 2015 and 1999, and now this 2018 team has a chance with four to maybe add to that in the bowl game. But th that special teams touchdown, that offensive line coming off the ball, winning in tough conditions, and boy, icing on the cake. I, I, eighth victory against Iowa State, just such great confirmation that this football team is good and can win many different ways. It's very interesting when you talk to some of the K-State fans, when you look at this eight-win season, there are things that stick out that maybe were unexpected. And what I mean by that is, is I'll just throw out a couple of two or three or four examples here and let you expand on that, but a win at Mississippi State. You wouldn't have thought that that would have been maybe a possibility in August. Uh, beating Oklahoma at home, beating Iowa State like that, and kind of in between there, just a total dominant performance in Lawrence. So I think from the fan perspective, 8-4 and four is awesome, but those types of victories are pretty satisfying if you're a Wildcat fan. Well, I think you said it very well, Wyatt. Uh, those K-State fans are right on target because anytime you win eight games, I don't care what your schedule was, you've had a successful regular season, 8-4, and four, third place in the Big 12, by the way, uh, tying the 2014 team's third place finish which had only been outpaced by the 2012 Big 12 Championship. So the eight wins stands upon itself as a very great accomplishment with another game to go in the bowl game. But you really pointed out the other aspect of this. This wasn't just an eight-win win season. This is an eight-win season with great highlights and unexpected opportunities to celebrate. Who would have thought that K-State could go to Mississippi State and do the work that they did, be the more physical team, with a brand-new coach and how good Mississippi State plays defense. Uh, remember last year's team, how great they were. You know, there, there was just not a lot of hope going down to play Mississippi State, and K-State ended up being the better team. Are you kidding me? K-State beat Oklahoma? You know, I just want to go hit the tape and watch it again or listen to the audio one more time. K-State was the better team and won a high-scoring shootout with Oklahoma and was the better team on the day, deserved to win. Are you kidding me? That is a highlight for a season for most schools, no matter what the final record is. And then, like you said, with a new coach coming in and Bill Snyder having such a stranglehold on the rivalry with Kansas, that a lot of KU fans were saying, I think it's a Bill Snyderism. You know, I think it's Bill Snyder who's got us hexed. And now we got Les Miles and a good football team and a team that moved the ball up and down the field for over 500 yards against the Texas Longhorns on the road. Probably should have won that game from a KU perspective. And coming in, to, man, that game in Lawrence with all the momentum, and what did K-State do? Go out and just grasp the game, take it, and be the more physical team with a third team running back, uh, the, the highest level running back available. Harry Trotter did a great job, and K-State came off the, the ball. Defense dominated, shut down that Kansas offense that had been doing so many great things. And you win on the road in dominating fashion, and there's no Bill Snyder on the, on the coaching staff. So it isn't a Bill Snyder thing. Uh, Chris Kleiman can do it just as well. K-State football is strong and really just a punch in the gut to Kansas. Another highlight of the year. And then at the end, like you said, 
to be an eight-win team instead of seven-win team is a big deal, and to beat this Iowa State team. Uh, their team is fired up to play K-State. Because remember, K-State had won 10 straight times until last year. And then they had their turn to have a miracle comeback down by 17 points in the fourth quarter and score 21 straight to beat K-State and shock them. And they thought, okay, here we go. Now it's our turn to be the better team. We're thought to be better. Our quarterback's established. Our coach, Matt Campbell, is thought of as one of the up-and-coming stars in coaching around the country. And Iowa State just has so many things going for them. And K-State didn't have a thrilling victory this time. They just went out and outplayed Iowa State in the fourth quarter, which has been the quarter for Iowa State. They were the highest scoring team in points scored in the fourth quarter of any team in the country, Wyatt. They outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter by more than any team in the country, and yet K-State was the better team and outscored them 10 to nothing in the fourth quarter. So very impressive on a lot of fronts. You mentioned the highlights, and those are things we should value. It's not just eight wins and go away. It's eight wins with those significant points in there. Those four games especially are ones that we should really celebrate. Well, certainly we are looking forward to finding out the bowl destination for K-State, and we can talk about that here in just a moment. But I thought I might take just a moment here and and reflect back on the job that Coach Kleiman and his staff did with this group that included those 27 seniors that were honored uh, on Saturday night. Is there one or two things about the job that Kleiman has done this year that stick out to you uh, with more relevance, I guess, than, than others or anything else? Well, I think you start with that Skyler Thompson upped his game and adapted to the system and was handled so well that his confidence level shot up. His execution was at a very high level. And I, I think that's really an, uh, something that should be uh, looked at and valued, both from Skyler personally, you know, his development and being a junior and all that. He deserves a lot of credit for his work, right? But the coaches deserve a lot of work about bringing out the best in Skyler Thompson. And I thought that was a big step. You'd have to say that Scotty Hazelton and the defensive philosophies that he brought in and obviously adapted along with the head coach and a, a defensive guru and Chris Kleiman. Uh, I thought the K-State defense third down conversions were incredible. Uh, you know, Wyatt, that I'm a big believer that college and pro high-level football games are really won on who can win that third down battle, that third and four, third and seven, right in that area. You know, if you can convert on that offensively, the way modern football is played, you may never have another third down the rest of the drive. You may be dancing in the end zone without having to face third down. That's how well the offenses function. And from a defensive perspective, under that same scope, you better take advantage of your opportunity when it's third down. And the fact that K-State is either going to finish first or second in the country in allowing opponents third down conversion rate uh, to make that winning play on defense, that's something that really stood out to me. And then for him to continue to keep some staff members around and allow the K-State special teams to still excel and be a big part of K-State football, I think that's another really great coaching attribute that you, you think about him. And then lastly, maybe I've gone too far, but the one thing that I thought is most unique, Wyatt, about the coaching style that Chris Kleiman has brought is that he has a higher level of participation. He trusts more players than any coach I've ever seen. That second and third team guys get legitimate reps in practice. They get mixed in with the first string guys. And heck, now that we've seen 12 games over the regular season, we don't need to talk about practice in games. He is throwing out guys left and right and trusting that they're able to play at the highest level. So it's so amazing to watch 
second team defended defenders run out in the second series of the game yeah. and or players play significant minutes. You, know, you just don't see that in any sport, any coaching staff. You know, there's a lot of things I watched about Bill Snyder or Bill Belichick or whomever, but I've, this is the most unique thing is that they really had trained the backups and the third and fourth string players to be ready to go out on the field. And I guess you'd call it depth. The depth is greater, but it's, this is much more than just depth. Those guys are engaged and there's something psychologically. I think that really helps the whole team fight together. Wyatt, when you go through practice and you think you might play in a game or you know you're going to play in a game, I think that has to up your concentration at practice. So a very unique, that's the most unique thing that I learned watching this season unfold and watching this coaching staff go to work. I think that's such great analysis, and I guess I'll augment that by saying uh, you, you think about late in the year how and what K-State got out of the Keevy and McGee's and the Daryl Patterson's and the uh, guys like that, Lance Robinson's. Uh, it's just an extraordinary thing, and in a large part why K-State was 8-4 and four with a really tough schedule this year. We remind you the Wildcat Weekly Podcast is presented by BriggsAuto.com, where they never match prices, they always beat them. BriggsAuto.com, longtime partner of K-State Athletics. And from the freeway to the field and everywhere in between, Wildcat fans trust the friendly folks at Kansas Land Tire and Service for all their tire and auto service needs. Visit thetirestore.com for the Kansas Land Tire near you. Okay, bull possibilities. I think there are probably basically four that we're dealing with. And I think we're basically, at the end of the day, going to have to wait, unfortunately, through this weekend to see what happens with, one, Oklahoma-Baylor in the Big 12 title game, and probably, two, Oregon and Utah uh, in the Pac-12 title game. Is that getting kind of down to the bare bones of it? In a lot of ways, because one of the big questions is in the bowl is will two teams uh, be in part of the New Year's Six? That's the six biggest bowl games. Right. And to do that... To do that, Wyatt, almost assuredly that they get selected because it's a, it's a college football playoff rankings uh, that help set who's going to play in the New Year's Six. Okay, so there's 12 teams that are going to be captured in those six games. And one of the big questions is, will there be two Big 12 teams? We know that the Sugar Bowl is going to take a Big 12 team. So to simplify this, if Utah loses to Oregon and LSU beats Georgia, uh, and uh, probably Oklahoma or Baylor, the winner of that game, will be in the final four in the college football playoff semifinals. So they get advanced. And then because the Big 12 has to have a team go to the Sugar Bowl, that means the other team will go. So then you have those teams captured from the Sugar Bowl and higher, and they don't affect the Alamo Bowl on down. Okay, so that's the big question is, will Baylor, Oklahoma's loser, be in the Alamo Bowl, or will they be in the Sugar Bowl? Mm-hmm. That's where we don't know, and that's what changes the odds because the pecking order after that, you get moved down one spot or moved up one spot depending on that. So hopefully that made sense uh, right there. Then if the Alamo Bowl is not taken by Baylor or Oklahoma, then it's going to be, I think, a three-way choice. And every bowl that we look at, starting with the Alamo Bowl and then going to Florida to the Camping World Bowl in Ordo and then back to the Texas Bowl before going to Liberty Bowl, that's the order of selection. Who are they going to pick? And I think there are plenty of reasons to say that any of those bowls could pick Texas first because of their reputation and name, and they could pick Oklahoma State or they could pick K-State. Mm-hmm. Now, K-State lost to Oklahoma State and Texas. So if they end up behind those two teams, I don't think that anyone should be gnashing their teeth because on the field, uh, K-State could be the third selection. 
but also K-State's record's better than Texas, eight and four versus seven and five. But Texas played LSU. So, you know, you could give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of reasons to think that Oklahoma State, K-State, and uh, Texas are really hard to choose from. So I would believe that if Texas is available because of the reputation and it's in the state of Texas, then I would think that they would probably go to the Alamo Bowl, which means that I have no idea it w- is K-State or Oklahoma State more likely to be the team to go to Florida and play probably Notre Dame. Uh, K-State probably travels better, so I could see K-State getting that opportunity. Now, if you go back and say, what if what happens if Baylor's in the Alamo Bowl or Oklahoma, then I think that the Florida Bowl in Orlando is probably going to be very tempted to say, hey, I'd love to see Texas play Notre Dame. Then that means the Texas Bowl would be selecting next, and do they pick K-State or Oklahoma State? They have equal records. They tied in conference. Oklahoma State beat K-State head-to-head. I mean, that's a complete toss-up for me. So right. the one who doesn't get picked there, slides down to the Liberty Bowl, which isn't a bad bowl at all. So I put it this way, Why? When you look at all those different scenarios, do we have two Big 12 teams in the New Year's Six? What's the value of picking Texas? Are they going to pick K-State or Oklahoma State? I don't know a lot of those things, but I just come down to this. I think there's a 40% chance that K-State will end up in the Texas Bowl, 30% chance in the Liberty Bowl, 20% chance over in Orlando in Florida, and a 10% chance that they would get picked for the Alamo. Uh, but there are so many different equations working right now that it's really hard to peg. We cannot sit there and go, well, it's probably going to be this bull and maybe that one. <laughs> it truly is four possibilities with all the things that are in play. That's probably about as good a breakdown as I've heard. Well done, sir. I appreciate that very much. We're talking Kansas State Athletics today, and I guess we'll wrap it up with basketball. Wildcats are under Bruce Weber 5-2 and two, and coming off of a win earlier in the week against Florida A&M, 76-58 to snap a, a quick two-game slide from the Fort Myers tournament. And now they look ahead to Saturday night, an 8 o'clock matchup against Marquette, and maybe more specifically against one of the game's great talents in Marcus Howard. This certainly will be a challenge for Bruce Weber and the Cats, no doubt about that. No, a big-time challenge, but why a big-time opportunity? Because when you've taken a step backwards, you need something that can vault you forward, like a trampoline, okay? Uh, You don't want to just walk up the steps. You want to be bounced back in a big way. And that opportunity is there because when you lost the two games in Fort Myers, it was a blow to K-State basketball because those four teams were basically even. You could have thrown those, thrown those teams together and played the tournament, and any of the four could have come out as a champion. But K-State is the one that was most unlucky and ended up 0-2 with the most pain in the tournament. Now, you and I were there, and it was unbelievable. It's, it's like a vacation feel. You know, it didn't seem like normal basketball to me. The junior college gym, there's just a lot of things about it. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to tell you about the realities. When you're out in, in beautiful weather and, and near the beach and all that kind of stuff, it can easily turn into not as much focus as the normal basketball routine has. And there's a chance that K-State didn't have the focus that they needed. You know, they lost barely to Pitt, hit three of 13 free throws. But at the end of the day, when we come back, the games count, and there definitely was no momentum set. So how do you get some momentum back? Well, here's the opportunity. I don't think you get any momentum back by winning earlier in the week, which they did against FAMU, okay? They, they did their work. They, got, they, you know, they improved, did some things, shot greater than 50%. Nothing wrong with having that game. But, Wyatt, it doesn't make up for and vault you back into the mentality where you want to be with this basketball team. A win over Marquette on Saturday night does that. 
mean, if you beat Marquette on Saturday night at home and can play against Howard and, and have the excitement of the whiteout in Bramlage Coliseum, I'm telling you, in the player's mind, and when we look back in the season, we're not going to remember Fort Myers. It'll be in the rearview mirror. It's going to be, oh, yeah, that was that time we were in Florida and didn't have the concentration level that we should have. Darn it. Let's get back to work. This is a big opportunity. Stan, you said that so well. Certainly a big opportunity for the Wildcats as they host the Golden Eagles of Marquette Saturday night. Our coverage begins at 7 on the K-State Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. We'll tip just after 8 o'clock, and you can see the game on national television. It is on ESPN2. That's our Wildcat Weekly Podcast for the week, brought to you by BriggsAuto.com and by Kansas Land Tire. For Stan Weber, I'm Wyatt Thompson. Thanks so much for listening, and go Cats! This has been the official Wildcat Podcast, presented by Briggs Auto Group and Kansas Land Tire. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation.